You're now tuned in to the Brendan King Show. From high above the circle in downtown Indianapolis, here's BK. Let's go. It is time. It is tournament time in the 317, episode 12 of the BK Show. Thank you so much for tuning in for what is about to be a spectacular week here on this podcast. Multiple, multiple March Madness personalities coming on, and I am thrilled for it. We'll get to that momentarily. But what a time it is, not only in Indianapolis, Indiana, but the United States of America. A year ago, we were all sitting on our couches, we were all sitting in our houses, scrolling Twitter, scrolling Instagram, scrolling Facebook, texting friends, texting family, what the hell's going on? A year later, we're about to kick off an NCAA tournament this week in downtown Indianapolis. 68 teams are staying downtown, and there is a buzz in downtown Indy again, which, as you know, I've talked about, has been missing for the last eight months. And for good reason. Look, I'm not saying that it was in our control. Most things were not. But you have hundreds of people now. It is a joy. I told you, I've been running and gunning these last couple of weeks. 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., March Madness Updates. We're now diving into the tournament. I'm basically, as mentioned, shooting the bleep with Dan Dockage for three hours a day. And I look out the sixth floor studio window every afternoon, especially during the Big Ten tournament this past weekend, and you see a wealth of orange, you see a wealth of red, you see the Michigan State green, you see the Michigan blue. You see all these Big Ten colors that people are sporting, walking down the streets, investing in downtown restaurants, investing in downtown shops, enjoying downtown, eating outside, eating inside, whatever. They're enjoying themselves downtown. And it brings a tear to my eye because I love downtown Indy. It's a place that groomed me into the person and broadcaster that I am. Being down here during the 1070 internship, learning the ropes, right? And it makes me so happy that I can walk down the street when I park the car in the 1070 parking garage. I'd like to take a walk when it's nice. Right around the Conrad, walking up and down the streets into the circle, Washington Street, the traffic. It's noticeable how different it is right now. And the 6018 tournament here and March Madness is going to make such a difference in this city. And I hope that Cities across America can find ways to make those differences to kind of bring that buzz back. Because last weekend, I saw a buzz in downtown Indy that arguably has not been here in a year. And I'm so happy for the local business owners that they get to reap the benefits of this because few people deserve to be happy and to make a couple bucks than them. And I'm again, I'm really glad that that is the case. But Just everything this tournament is bringing. It's a joy to see. And you got 68 teams in a convention center getting ready to fight their towels off in what is going to be 
the hardest NCAA tournament to win ever. Ever. That's not up for debate. And when you take a look at this bracket right now, the number one seeds, Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. You could very well seeing all those teams making the Final Four. Now, Michigan doesn't have Isaiah Livers. But boy, they got some major talent besides him. Io DeSunmu and Kofi Coburn is that dynamic duo that you do not want to see pulling up at 8 o'clock inside Lucas Oil Stadium. The Baylor Bears and Jared Butler, Scott Drew, who was invested the better part of his life into that program, taking over in such a terrible, terrible situation. Nobody in America wanted the Baylor job. Look at them now. Look at them now. And Gonzaga. I'll be the first to admit, I've never been on the Gonzaga hype train. Ever. In my life. I've never been one to say, this Gonzaga team is going to win the national championship. I'm different on that this year. I think Mark Few's got something cooking. I think Jalen Suggs is by far the number one pick in this year's NBA draft. I do think there are some problems with the Bulldogs that could be exploited if the wrong team meets them in the alley. Because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be an alley fight. If Gonzaga gets the wrong draw, again, they get 16 seed. It's Norfolk or Appalachian State. Big whoop. But as the tournament goes on, if they get the wrong draw, it's going to be an alley fight, and I'm not sure that Gonzaga has had the experience this year, even with a guy like Jalen Suggs, and even with how talented they are in the front court, where if they get punched in the face a couple times, I'm not sure how many times they can answer. And Mark Few is going to have to show that. If Mark Few saying that, We're glad BYU gave us a tough game in the West Coast Conference uh, title game. If he's saying that, we're glad that at least somebody put up a fight. That doesn't sound too good when they get a Big 12 team or a Havoc defense style and their lunch is getting eaten. So that's my hesitancy about Gonzaga. But again... They have shown all year long why they are the number one seed. But if it comes up to where they get the wrong team at the wrong time, Bulldogs are going down. And that could be anybody. Don't get me wrong. That can be anybody. Ohio State gave Illinois the ride of their life in the Big Ten championship game. Iodesumo and Kofi Coburn survive. Michigan without Isaiah Livers. Could they get upset? I really like LSU. On the other side of that Michigan uh, little section there are the LSU Tigers and the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. And I like both of those teams. St. Bonaventure beat the crap out of VCU in the Atlantic 10 Championship game. We're going to talk to Mike Rhodes, the head coach at VCU, later this week. And he's going to tell us about the A-10 Championship. And St. Bonaventure arguably was the tougher team that day. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But they've never seen anything like LSU. LSU almost took Alabama all the way to knocking them out of the SEC title game. And that LSU defense, Will Wade, that's legit. 
and they're not going to make the Bonnie's life easy. But if Michigan advances, they'll get Mount St. Mary's or Texas Southern. Again, that shouldn't be a problem if you're the Wolverines. But you get an LSU-Michigan second-round matchup, I might be vouching for that upset. I would think about it. Now, I'm filling out my bracket tomorrow on Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon is when I am filling out my bracket. It is my lone day off of the month. Full day off. Taking tomorrow off, except for producing the podcast. I will tell you about this here. But I'm filling out my bracket tomorrow, and I will give you a full breakdown of my bracket tomorrow. Again, podcast episodes every single day this week. You may ask why. Well, there's been quite a bit of opportunity over the last few days. And with my March Madness studio host duties, I have chosen to cover this tournament to the best of my ability and work my tail off to get there. That's why I need a quick day off tomorrow because, again, I've pretty much got 14-hour days waiting for me the uh, the rest of the month. I want to cover this to the best of my ability, and that's why, since about two weeks ago or so, I began reaching out to every sports information director from every university that looked like they were a lock for the NCAA tournament. Some responded, some didn't. But we've now gotten it to a point where I've completed 11 interviews with college coaches from around the country, and you're going to hear three of them today. This is how this is going to work. We're going to release a podcast every day this week. They're going to be shorter than the normal hour. That's why when you guys wake up or when you guys are going to bed or when you guys are working out, you know, a 30 to 40 minute epi is what you're going to get here. And I really hope you enjoy that. And I really hope that you can invest the time because these interviews, these coaches, they took the time and they put some effort in to talk to me in terms of they didn't just pass me off as, Oh, what? here's some kid. They really, really took the time and listened to the questions I asked and gave very genuine answers. And the guys that are coming up today were terrific. Chris Holtman, the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, was kind enough to take 10 minutes with me earlier today. And obviously, <laughs> Holt had a hell of a run at Butler. Now, I've said what I said about Holt. Before, how he left was left a sour taste in a lot of Butler people's mouths, including mine. But that doesn't take away from how much of a gentleman he is, what kind of coach he is, what kind of man he is, and who he is as a person. Because he's one of the best. He takes time all across the country to talk to people. Now that he is in the position where he is at Ohio State. And again, Holt was kind enough to spend 10 minutes. We obviously talked a lot about the Buckeyes, but also for you Butler people that are listening right now, stay tuned towards the back end of that interview. I guarantee you, you will smile uh, by the end of that interview. Not because of what I said, trust me. Not because of what I said, but certainly because of what Holt said. So keep an eye out for that later on here in the Epi. Second interview, Wayne Tinkle, the head coach of the Oregon State Beavers and the Pac-12 champion at that. Coach Tinkle was terrific as well. I really enjoyed talking with him. I have never really heard him speak. And that's because, really, quite frankly, the Pac-12 doesn't get much coverage out here. You could really only get Pac-12 coverage if you're really invested in the Pac-12 after dark or you like listening to Bill Walton. Wayne Tinkle's in his sixth season. 
They'll get the Tennessee Volunteers a five seed. That's Friday at 4.30. Should have mentioned Ohio State. They will take on Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts had an unbelievable run in the Summit League. That came at uh, Friday at 3 o'clock inside Mackey Arena. Beat top seed South Dakota State. Guys, nine top seed mid-majors went down in their conference tournaments this year. Something else. Something else. But again, Wayne Tinkle, the head coach at Oregon State after their magical run to the Pac-12 title, beating UCLA, Oregon, and Colorado in three consecutive days. And not to mention the Oregon State Beavers are 3-0 on neutral courts this year. So that conversation with Wayne Tinkle is coming up. And then later on, a guy that I think is one of a kind in the sp- in the coaching realm, Josh Pastner, in his fifth season at Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets also 3-0 in neutral sites. Possibly something to keep an eye on. Maybe the best first-round game of the tournament. We'll dive into that particular game later in the week, but it's Loyola Chicago and Georgia Tech. And that's going to be just a dogfight. It really is. Porter Mosier, who... I have a I have a theory about Porter Mosier. I will share it later in the week. I don't want to get in too much trouble, but I have a theory about Porter Mosier. It's not like it's not like it's some comp- conspiracy theory or anything. It's it, it, it's a, it's about something in Chicago that's going on right now in the basketball realm that might intrigue Coach Mosier. Anyway, Georgia Tech, Josh Pastner, the former head man as well as Memphis. At Memphis, Coach Pastner on his way to his fifth NCAA tournament. Hell of a story for him that he was a member of the Arizona Wildcats under Lute Olson, went into coaching, assistant coach to John Calipari at Memphis, and now then got his own team at Memphis when he was very young, and now over at Georgia Tech. And the guy's, guy's going viral on social media because not only – did his team smash a COVID particle pinata in the locker room in Greensboro? He has gained national attention because of his face shield that he wears on the sideline. I'm not sure any other coach in the country wears the actual full face shield. If they do, I haven't seen them. But we talk about that, and it's also a great conversation. Just talking some hoops. And again, a triple header of interviews today. Holtman, Tinkle, Pastner. It's going to be great. But we'll dive into more matchups tomorrow. And I've planned out uh, how I'm going to release these interviews. We're going to do it in chunks because, of course, tournament starts on Friday. 12-15. Florida, Virginia Tech, Hinkle Fieldhouse. Friday afternoon. The sun peeking through the Hinkle windows. Oh! Would you rather start March Madness any other way? I wouldn't. And Mike Young, the head coach of the Virginia Tech Hokies as well, was kind enough to take some time to talk with me. That was earlier today as well. That interview we will release later in the week. And here's how this is going to work and how we will release these. Today is what we call the conference championship special. Of course, Georgia Tech, the ACC champion, with their big win against Florida State. Oregon State beating Colorado in the Pac-12 championship. And Ohio State just getting edged by Illinois, but still making it to the Big Ten title game, setting themselves up as a two-seed. 
The conference championship special is today. Tomorrow, really looking forward to this episode. I think you guys should as well. It's the underdog special. Had a chance to talk with two terrific coaches. Joe Golding, the head man at Abilene Christian, a former D2 program down in Texas. Coach Golding, a former player there, has led them to Division I ranks, and now they're going to their second NCAA tournament as a Division I team. And who do they get the first time? Kentucky. They lose to Kentucky bad in 2019. But they get back to the NCAA tournament, and now they play the primetime team from their state, Abilene Christian, a 14 seed, taking on Texas. Shaka Smart and the Longhorns. Cannot wait for that one. That game taking place in the East region, 3 versus 14. As well, we're going to dive into what it's like to get ready for a number one seed. The head coach of the 16 seed, Hartford Hawks, the America East champion, Hartford. The head coach, John Gallagher, who was terrific, by the way. I had a blast talking to him. And you talk about a positive attitude. I'm somebody that tries to keep a positive attitude in my life at all points. Boy, if you're like that as well, you're going to like John Gallagher. Looking at their America East Championship, preparing for Baylor, playing in Lucas Oil Stadium as a 16th seed? Boy, that is going to be a fun episode tomorrow. Abilene Christian and Hartford on Thursday. We will release our interviews with the upset specials. 10 and 11 seeds. But you look at the names of these schools, 10 and 11 seeds. VCU is a 10 seed. Virginia Tech is a 10 seed. And Utah State is an 11 seed. VCU's head coach Mike Rhodes, one of the developers of that Havoc defense, he was the associate head coach under Shaka Smart when they went to the Final Four in 2011 and lost the Butler Bulldogs, by the way. Had to mention that to coach. Not that particular way, to be honest with you, but definitely got it in there that Butler and them matched up in the Final Four. Mike Rhodes was great. Mike Young was fantastic from Virginia Tech. The Hokies, as mentioned, lead off March Madness. VCU matches up with Oregon. That's in the West region. But again, Virginia Tech playing the first game, first official game, non-playing game of March Madness on Friday. And boy, Utah State, Craig Smith, former assistant coach at Nebraska. He was terrific. And I guess he personally knows Chris Ballard. Tune in for that story. They get the Texas Tech Red Raiders in the South region. But Utah State, to me, that team that kind of just hung around and hung around and hung around. They beat Colorado State in the Mountain West tournament. And look at how Colorado State's in the last or first t- first four out. And Utah State's one of the last four in. It was that big win over Colorado State. Now, Utah State did lose the Mountain West championship to San Diego State. But they picked up two wins against the Aztecs this year. And of course, you know what San Diego State did last year? They were supposed to be... You know, the number one seed of number one seeds. They had a terrific year last year. Of course, no NCAA tournament. San Diego State is in the big dance this year. But as a sixth seed, no longer a number one seed. But again, Utah State's head coach, Craig Smith, was great. So VCU, Virginia Tech, and Utah State on Thursday. Friday, the head coach of the Clemson Tigers, 
Brad Brownell will be with us. Coach Brownell, an Evansville native, coached here in Indianapolis at UND for three years. He was great to take some time from the Tigers, as well as maybe my favorite guest to date. That's going to come on. Steve Lavin, Fox Sports analyst, former head coach, UCLA, St. John's. His time at UCLA, multiple Sweet 16 births. St. John's coaching some terrific Big East players. And I'm looking forward to talking with Lav about the days when I was <laughs> trying to get him rattled when I was in the dog pound. We were going at him for the hair gel. <laughs> but I mean, how? I mean, Coach Laugh, just a legend. So we'll talk all things NCAA tournament on Friday to get you ready for the first game of the NCAA tournament. And that's how this week is going to work. Shorter episodes. And let's get it started. As well, don't forget to call in 317-699-2350. We will do all the voicemails I get this week at the end of the week on Friday's episode in the lab episode. We will do those. So be sure to get the voicemails in 317-699-2350. And that way, all your March Madness questions will be answered right as we're going into the tournament. God, I'm excited. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Filling out the bracket tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. For now, let's get to the slate of interviews we have for you. And that's starting with the legendary Chris Holtman, the head man at Ohio State. Three tremendous years at Butler. Three NCAA tournaments. Former Gardner-Webb coach. Left Gardner-Webb to become an assistant coach under Brandon Miller at Butler. And you know how the stars align. Thank goodness he did. Or else, who knows what the Bulldogs' first few years in the Big East actually would have been like. Let's get to it. The head coach at Ohio State, Chris Holtman. Here he is. We now welcome out a very special guest. It is a guy that has risen up the coaching ranks over the last decade or so. Now the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes in his fourth season, taking his team back to the NCAA tournament. Chris Holtman, coach, it is a joy to be with you. Welcome back to Indianapolis. And I think, although you have been in town for the Big Ten Championship, uh, this is really a homecoming for you and what you've done in your career. Well, it's great to be with you, Brendan, and it's great to be back in, in this city. This is uh, obviously a phenomenal city. Anybody that's been through here, visited here, or lived here uh, knows that. It's a great sports town, and it's a great city. Coach, in the Big Ten tournament, I think you guys, over four games, obviously, it's a gauntlet, as you know, but you guys were tested, I think, in a different way for four consecutive games. You talk about Minnesota and the star power that Marcus Carr has. Obviously, Purdue without that freshman connection and Ivy and Edie, the cohesive of the Michigan Wolverines and, of course, the dynamic duo of Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn. Man, that's a tough gauntlet, Coach. Yeah, it sure was. It was that for sure. You know, we, we opened with Minnesota and had a lead, and then they came back and give them credit, and then we played a Purdue team that I think is outstanding and has a chance to, to make a real deep run. I just think they're phenomenal, um, and, and we're able to, to get that one. And then a Michigan team that, you know, was without uh, livers, but uh, still really, really capable, and then uh, unfortunately came up a little bit short in the championship game against Illinois. But, you know, I tell you, it was a good – it was a great, great uh, week for our guys. 
uh, of really good play, and now we've got to turn the page quickly to the tournament. No doubt about it. And you know, to talk about a kid like Ayudasumu, I remember in 2017 in the spring time, right before I graduated from Butler, there was a big EYBL tournament over at Grand Park, and of course Marvin Bagley was there. That was R.J. Barrett's year, I think, as well. But then I was broadcasting games, and there's this kid Ayudasumu, and he just starts hooping. You're like, who is this kid? Yeah. And he yeah. just shows that he is unbelievable, coach. Yeah, he's he's a phenomenal talent. I mean, phenomenal. I'm excited for him because I think, you know, he's he's going to get his dream come true and have a chance to play um, uh, in the NBA as he should. He's earned that. But uh, yeah, he he can really go, and it's not just him. I think that's what makes them so special. Is it's not just him. It's Chris Holtman with us. Coach, C.J. Walker, your point guard. I feel like your teams that have made NCAA tournament runs have kind of all started with that veteran point guard presence. You talk about an Andrew Dockich in your first couple years at Ohio State, maybe a Keith and Savage or Tyler Lewis, even your days back at Gardner-Webb. It really starts with that veteran point guard, and C.J. Walker has been that. He has. He's steadied us when we really needed to be steadied. Um, he's given us just kind of great veteran guard play, uh, great veteran guard play, and and we've needed that. And you know, he battled an injury mid-year. Um, we had to we had to kind of put him on the shelf and give him some rest for a couple weeks, but. Uh, after that, he's since responded at a really, really high-level play. Coach, I want to ask, you're going to your sixth NCAA tournament now, sixth consecutive NCAA tournament. Of course, you don't count last year. But in a year that has been unlike any other, what have you learned about yourself as a coach? You know, I tell you, Brennan, I, I think as much as possible, you know, um, coaches, as as you know, because you followed this for a number of years, we get – you know, we can be control freaks and we can want to control every moment and and uh, have it play out just like we want it. And I really think the challenge for us is is to just to stay in the moment, um, stay in the process of the task at hand. And I know for me, when, when I'm, you know, at my best in terms of a coach, I am committed to staying committed uh, uh, to the process, to the to the daily process, and doing that as well as we can do it, as simple as that sounds. You know, you can get outside of that. And you, you know, they start doing bracketology. You know, in December now in college basketball, uh, and that can get overwhelming. So for us, we try to keep it day to day. Playing at Lucas Oil Stadium for the Big Ten Championship, Coach, I have to imagine not only for your players but you that was that was really cool to be a part of. But you know, we hear all all the time, whether that's in the media, maybe it gets overblown, but the sight lines um, with the shooting. I think the first four games of the Big Ten tournament, nobody shot more than thirty percent from three. Was that yeah. ever a, was that ever a problem? I thought it could be in, in our first game or two. Um, and I think it, it probably was a factor along with some nervous jitters. Yeah. Um, I, I do think there's there's something to that, but I don't know. You know, once we were all there for multiple games, uh, I think it, it almost felt like home. So uh, I think after, you know, the first game or two, yeah, I think it's an issue. Coach, I want to ask about your assistant coaches, particularly Terry Johnson and Ryan Pete, and a few guys you've been with now for you know consecutive years. Terry t- doing great things his entire career. Ryan Peden's bounced around, but a terrific assistant coach. How nice is it for you as a head coach to obviously you have always have your assistant coaches as a backbone, but those two guys in particular that you've really been through a lot with. 
Well, they're terrific people to begin with. They're phenomenal people. Um, Terry Johnson's a terrific person and an excellent coach, excellent defensive-minded coach. Uh, Ryan Peden is uh, terrific at what he does. Both guys have been absolutely instrumental in any success we've had. Um, And we also have, you know, guys like Jake Diebler, who's uh, from from Ohio, as well as Mike Netty and uh, Quadrum Banks, our strength coach, that really allow us to have consistency in what we do as as a program. Coach, looking at Oral Roberts, the team you'll take on on Friday at 3 o'clock inside Mackey Arena, a place you are familiar with playing there in conference these last few years. But, you know, they made a heck of a run in the Summit League, Coach, beating top seed South Dakota State and then North Dakota State in the championship. It's hard to believe, Coach, that nine top-seeded mid-majors went down in their conference tournaments. It's really been anybody's game, and Oral Roberts is just an example of that. Yeah, they're a really talented bunch. They're they're explosive offensively, can really shoot it. They really spread you out. Um, they are um, really capable offensively, and and they've had a good year. You look at who they played. Uh, they played a number of high major uh, at large teams, and they played them really really well, right down to the wire, and had a chance to beat a couple of them. So. Uh, they've got the leading scorer in the country, who's a dynamic guard. Um, it's going to be a great challenge for us. Coach, as mentioned, I graduated from Butler in 2017, and that Sweet 16 team uh, from 2017, my senior year, I was very close with guys like Tyler Lewis and Avery Woodson, getting to know them. Uh, I just want to ask you what you remember most about that run uh, to the Sweet 16, taking on North Carolina, and memories from that team. Whether it's you know the the win against Villanova in January, the court storm that costed a couple bucks, or the you know the Xavier win at home, the Arizona non-conference win, that was just a really fun team. Yeah, it really was. It really was, and you know. Uh, there's a lot of memories there. I, I, you know, sweeping Z- Xavier in the regular season is always going to be up there. Yeah. Uh, anytime Butler gets gets a, a chance to do that, uh, I think the, the Villanova win was was an important one. But you know, I think probably advancing to that second weekend is is what's most memorable um, f- for us. I think for for me, what's most memorable is just the quality of people we had on that team. Avery Woodson, you know, Tyler, Tyler Wideman, Keelan. Sean, like I'm, I'm gonna, you know, uh, AC. We just had so many phenomenal people uh, in that locker room. Well, now Keelan obviously doing great things here in downtown Indy with the Pacers. Glad to see him still in the NBA. And again, as you mentioned, just fantastic people a part of that team. Coach, I wish you the best of the luck this NCAA tournament. And you guys take on Oral Roberts Friday at three o'clock. And it would be awesome uh, to see you get to the Sweet Sixteen and to have you be able to coach in Hinkle again. Coach Holman, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Great being with you, Brandon. Always great catching up. Thanks, Coach. That is Chris Holtman, the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Really appreciate the time from him and what a great guy he is. You know, when he called in and I answered the phone, he kind of recognized the name. And I told him, hey, I was the blue suit kid in the dog pound for all those years. And... He laughed in a way that brought a smile to my face and like we shared a chuckle, we shared like you know a little remembrance about how special those games at Hinkle were. And uh, you know, he is well on his way to you know someday I bet he even, you know, does bigger things in Ohio State. Um I, I would not put it past him and you know, there are some coaches out there who are getting older and I'm not gonna name names, but you can probably Think of a couple programs that, you know, whenever Holt does what he does at Ohio State and, you know, hopefully 
for him, it's good things. I'm never going to root against the guy. But, you know, there are going to be opportunities for him as he gets older. Remember, he's a relatively young guy that he's going to have a hell of an opportunity. All right, let's get to interview two, episode 12 of the BK Show. Don't forget, continue to call in this week, 317-699-2350. We'll get to the voicemails at the end of the week in Lav's episode. Let's get to Wayne Tinkle, the head coach of the Oregon State Beavers, and look, the Pac-12 champion, the media and people picking in the Pac-12 tournament were expecting Oregon State to show up, maybe play some slot machines in Vegas, get blasted in the game, and leave. That's not what happened. Three consecutive wins for the Beavers, and talking to Coach Tinkle, there was just that belief in their locker room that you win one, First was an OT win against UCLA. Then you beat your in-state rival in Oregon. Then that sets up for the championship win against Colorado. It's Wayne Tinkle on the BK Show. Here's Coach. We now welcome on a very special guest on his way to his fifth NCAA tournament as a head coach. It is the head man for the Oregon State Beavers, fresh off their Pac-12 championship. Coach Wayne Tinkle. Coach, welcome to Indianapolis. Really appreciate the time today. Great to be with you. Oh, it feels feels incredible. I mean, uh, obviously, you look at everything we've all been through uh, in the last twelve months. Uh, you know, and, and you know, we obviously had a rough start to the season, uh, but to have the guys buy in and, and and find a way to grind and to win that Pac-12 tournament, uh, especially against uh, the incredible opponents, you know, that we had to beat to get here, it makes makes it all you know worthwhile. And I couldn't be more happy. Coach, how was your Twitter bio? It says, earn what you get, get what you earn. And you guys most certainly earned that Pac-12 championship, no? Yeah, you know, we were just talking about it as a staff, how we had to run the gauntlet, you know, <laughs> to get here. Uh, you know, UCLA, albeit that they had one of their top players out, uh, and Chris Hill, you know, on, on uh, you know, the first round was, was really tough. The way we pulled that one out after being down 16 early, then, then you face – you know, the Oregon Ducks really uh, have come together. They're finally healthy and playing at a high level. They had just beaten us a few days earlier pretty handily at home. Uh, and then Colorado, one of the best defensive teams out there, um, you know, two ranked teams uh, back-to-back was, was pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't surprising because we knew the potential that we had. We just had to grow as a team. We had a lot of new guys. We've only got two guys on our team who have been in the program for more than a year. Man. So it, it, it took a lot of, uh, I guess we'd say, marinating yeah. uh, out west. And uh, i just just really pleased with the effort and the focus to get it done. Coach Wayne Tinkle is with us. Coach, is that one of those things in the Pac-12 championship there? You went over all the games, UCLA, Oregon, Colorado. Is that one of those things where with each win, especially after the overtime win against the Bruins, where after each win there's just a little bit more buy-in and you go into every game a little bit more confident and then you're rolling, right? Oh, certainly. Yeah, you're spot on there. You, you just you see that in the looks in your players' eyes. I mean, just the belief the confidence, but I, but I'll tell you this: before we even went down there, we, we saw that changing, and and this is coming off a a tough loss at home against against Oregon. But we we something clicked. We talked about freeing up our minds, you know, and 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 you know we've we've luckily been able to you know kind of have this um, in the past, where especially at Montana, where you know it's a one bid league, you got to win the tournament to go where you got to get them in the right frame of mind to string some together. 
And and so we got our guys to free their minds up and just said, you know, focus on the three things we've been talking about the last, you know, six or eight weeks, and that's executing, playing harder than our opponent, and really enjoying each other out on the floor. And we had so many new pieces that that's that's a, that was a big part of what we were missing. Um, and we said we're going to do that when we go to Vegas, and we're going to get on a roll, fellas. There's nobody in the league we can beat. We can't beat, and they bought into it. And then you win the first one, and we were a little worried because we were down 16 early. But to come back and win in the fashion we did was that extra shot of confidence. And and, and the the look in the eyes before the Oregon game, I mean, that's that's as confident and positive as as we've been. Uh, And and, and then we knew that would carry over, obviously, um, to Saturday as well. And, you know, you always got to get a couple breaks here and there with – some of their shots not going in and some years going in, but um, it, it really made the difference. And, and we got to carry that same mentality, you know, now that we're in the big dance. Yeah. Coach, you mentioned all the new faces in the program, and maybe for those here in Indianapolis or around the, around the country, quite frankly, who have not seen a lot of your team, when you guys are firing at all, on all cylinders, as we saw in the Pac-12 championship, what are you doing well most uh, that allows you to go and win those big ones? Okay, well, great. Offensively, we're playing with an inside-out balance. You know, we're we're getting the ball inside to our bigs or we're penetrating to the rim and we're getting baskets on the interior. And then that forces, forces the defense to try to collapse a little bit and it frees up your sh- your shooters on the perimeter. And, and we really did that all three nights. And then on the defensive end, uh, we led the Pac-12 in defensive uh, – three-point field goal percentage and for a while i think we were in the top 20 yeah. um and 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 we, we we did that as well um and and then we have to compete on the, on the boards too um we we weren't great against colorado but we were just good enough so if, if we have that inside out balance um and and we're making shots obviously and and then depending on on the perimeter and, and not letting teams go crazy in the paint and we compete on the glass we feel we can compete with anybody. Beavers are a 12 seed in this tournament, Coach. 5 seed Tennessee is your opponent Friday at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, home of the Indiana Pacers at 430. Uh, Coach, what stands out most about Rick Barnes's club? Well, they really get after you defensively. Um, they, they pressure you. They switch. They're really aggressive. Um, and, and then they've got playmakers. out there. Their guards all have great size, strength, and athleticism. Uh, and some physical athletic posts as well. So, you know, the key there is going to be finding ways to score the ball, you know, and when we get off to a good start and with that balance and we're hitting shots from the perimeter, it seems to really fuel our fire defensively and we also create some offense off of our D. So those things are going to be key. And and if we have to face 40 minutes of half-court pressure, you know, we'll we'll struggle. But if we can – get out on the floor a little bit, get some transition baskets, and, and knock down some threes early. It'll really help loosen us up. Coach, in the media last week or so, you're hearing the word asterisk a lot just because it's a tournament unlike any other. But personally, Coach, I think this is going to be one of the hardest NCAA tournaments to win ever because of, of course, the uncertainty that has happened all season long. But just we continue to see that anybody can beat anybody. Do you kind of share that same sentiment where this is going to be one of the toughest tournaments to come away with the ring, whoever gets it? No, I I totally agree with that. I think this is probably the most competitive field um, in in quite some time and and the, the deepest. I 
there's going to be a lot of upsets, um, and, and I don't I don't think it's necessarily because some key players from big teams are going to be lost. I just think because the talent is so deep, you know, and and it's going to be an exciting one. So I I, I don't I wouldn't say asterisk, but right. I think it's going to be one of the most memorable because of what everybody had to go through to get here. You know, and and then the situation that we're in. I mean, the fact that we're locked into our rooms, have to be uh, escorted, um, you know, everywhere we go, and and you know the the, the thing that we're on lockdown is just uh, it's a different deal for our guys, and um, you know it's teaching us how to deal with adversity, um, and 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 the thing that I talked about in our press conference after uh, the Pac-12 championship was. Sports are such a great vehicle to connect to real life, right? And the lessons that we learn. And you're seeing kids, young men, whatever you want to call them, from from, 18 to 22, 23, going through some pretty tough stuff the last 12 months and and how they're responding uh, and persevering um, and and building, you know, sort of that resiliency and toughness, which is going to benefit them you know, for years to come. And then, and then how we've all come together, you know, to make this a positive, you know, for our country, quite frankly, you know, the emails that we're getting from people that have gone through so much turmoil and and how much, you know, enjoyment and relief we brought to them, you know, what a lesson we're teaching our, our guys, you know, to carry forward throughout the rest of their lives is pretty neat deal. And that's what it's all about, quite frankly. Coach Wayne Tinkle. Coach, I know coming from Las Vegas, probably the freezing rain in Indianapolis is not ideal, but we're glad you're here. We're glad you made the trip, and uh, I wish the best to you against the volunteers on Friday at Banker's Life. Hey, great to be with you. You know, I'm a guy that grew up a lot of years in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, missed the same. Midwest. I'm from Chicago. Yeah, yeah, missed the Midwest, and we always love coming to Indianapolis to recruit, and I'm also on the Ethics Coalition with the NCAA. You guys got great people great restaurants, great hospitality. We love being with you. Coach Tinkle, thank you so much for the time. All the best. Go Beefs. You as well. Talk about a good dude at the helm of Oregon State, Wayne Tinkle. And, you know, after a Pac-12 championship, I got to imagine there is a, you know, a lot that's riding on his shoulders in terms of doing media availability and checking in with people. And the fact that he came on and, and spent 10 minutes there was um, just an honor, and I uh, just want to take uh, thank Coach and and Sean from Oregon State for getting that set up of um, having him call and tell me about his Pac-12 title. And look, you know Tennessee's got a hell of an athletic team, but if there's one thing you don't mess with in March, that's confidence. And the next guy we're going to hear from is all about the confidence, as that is Josh Pastner, the head man for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. The ACC champion. Now, you can say, hey, Georgia Tech was supposed to play Virginia. Virginia had the COVID problems. No contest. And, you know, they get in the championship game. Well, yeah. But here's the thing. When you're expecting to play Virginia, and then that game plan goes kablooey, and you don't have to play Tony Bennett's team, and you have to turn around and play a wildly different experience in the Florida State Seminoles the next day, I give a lot of respect to Josh Pastner and what he was able to do. This guy, maybe in all of the coaches, regardless of sports I've ever talked to, might be the most animated dude you're going to hear from. 
and animated in a good way. This guy is full of energy. If you saw his uh, uh, broadcast post-game interview after the ACC title, where he literally thanked the entire ESPN production staff, <laughs> this guy, I, I, I had a great time talking to Josh, Coach Pastner, and uh, not only is he a terrific coach, not only is he a very nice guy, but he knows exactly what he's doing as he has been at the helm of Memphis, now at Georgia Tech, learning for some great coaches, Lute Olson when he was a player at Arizona, and of course John Calipari, who he succeeded at Memphis. So, without further ado, here is Josh Pastner from the Yellow Jackets. We now welcome on a very special guest. It is the head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, Josh Pastor, in his fifth season on his way to the NCAA tournament after an ACC championship win against Florida State. Coach, it's great to be with you. Welcome to Indianapolis. And two questions right off the bat real quick that I have for you. For one, when you were in Greensboro, where does one get a COVID particle pinata? Well, that was good. No, that, you know, actually, um, we actually were, we used that COVID pinata um, when we beat Nebraska Mm -hmm. back earlier in the year. So let me tell you how that, why that happened. So (laughs) in in our previous four, my four years, my fifth year as a head coach here at Georgia Tech, in the four years previously, when we won a road game, part of the, uh, we would always stop at the gas station right by the airport that we would take it off to back to Atlanta and let the guys go in and just go get a bunch of snacks it was a way to celebrate road wins so we have we'd always talk about we're going to the gas station and the guys loved it well because of COVID-19 <laughs> we we you, you we, we per our you know medical personnel we couldn't go to a gas station this year to go inside to get snacks so what we did on the road wins we would get a pinata and our first one was at Nebraska <laughs> we had a COVID ball and we smashed it, and in it was was all the was all the the snacks and candy that the guys love. So um, that's how we handled that. Um, uh, my director of basketball, Tyler Benson, deserves all the credit. It was mm. his idea on that, and uh, but it, it it went viral when that happened yes. earlier in the year. It was pretty cool, but we smashed it, and it was sort of like let's kill this virus, let's kill the COVID. We're so mad at COVID, and then smashed out all the candy in there, and that's that was our substitute from going to gas station during the COVID nineteen. Uh, situation. I love it, man. Uh, and then secondly, the second question I saw on Twitter, somebody is starting to compare the face shield with uh, Rip Hamilton's mask from the Detroit Pistons. Is Do you think that's going to become your insignia? Like, is that going to stay? You know what's interesting is most people call me the welder. Yes. They think like I'm, a, I'm the welder. And I tell everyone, look, I don't even know how to change a light bulb, let alone <laughs> even do anything handy, man. So, I mean, I'm just not a handy person. I'm not able to do that. And, I mean, you know, I'm just like usually my wife saying, hey, this is not working. I'm like, I'm looking around like, okay, we'll call someone. I'm just not, that's not my, I said, if you're going to ask me what defense we should play, I can handle that. But, <laughs> you know, fixing things is not my thing. But they all call me the welder with the mask. But, um, no. You know, it's it's I, I, obviously because of the COVID, you have to wear something covering your face. Right. I have felt that the, the the mask wearing when I was trying to coach and practice in the mask wearing, I'm always taking the mask on and off. So you're touching your face, you're touching the mask. Um, it, when you're talking or yelling, you feel like you're suffocating because you're just <laughs> you're enclosed. So I actually the face shield allows me to one. I don't I don't move it up and down. They can see my facial expressions. I don't feel like I'm suffocating and 
and um, and it really does a great job showing my curls and my hair, you know, because it really it, it poops it upwards. You know what I mean? And so um, it pops it no, you know, up so everyone sees it. And uh, um, so anyway, that's a, it's a great thing. And um, um, but it, people kind of know me for the face shield. I told somebody we should have kind of done like a NASCAR thing and you know do a sponsorship on the, on the face shield and put stuff all over. But but and maybe try to get some extra uh, finances for Georgia Tech. But uh, uh, but anyway, that's kind of how the the legend of the of the welder's mask or the face shield has come about. I'm telling you, Coach, it's sticking. Josh Pastner's with us, uh, Coach. Let's talk about the ACC championship. Of course, what a run for your guys, but in such a weird way, I guess. Starting with the 70 to 66 win against Miami, uh, Hurricanes made a hell of a run in, in that tournament. And then, of course, the no contest against Virginia, leading into the win against Florida State. When the no contest ends up getting announced. How do you keep your guys together, Coach, with that? Because you know that you're getting a heck of opponent no matter what happens in the championship. But, you know, you are prepared to obviously face Virginia. How do you keep your guys calm and collected heading into, obviously, a huge championship game then? Yeah, no, great question. Um, you know, look, so obviously um, we, we would have preferred to play Virginia and won the game to get to the championship. Um, uh, you know, I, but we're in a we're in a situation of COVID nineteen, and and anything can happen. I mean, it's as we've seen, it's everything so delicate and so fragile. Um, I was on the I was on the Zoom call in the morning with the announcers, Jay Billis, Dan Schulman, Allison Williams, um, and I was talking to them. None of us knew anything was going on. I we got I we I got a call from the ACC office. I was kept getting calls from the I saw the ACC office calling. I kept getting getting calls, and I finally said, "Hold on, I got the call." And they, it was they were saying there might be a chance we're not playing. Then two minutes later, we they got the email, the announcers, and I got the call that the game was off. The first and foremost is you just want to make sure whatever whoever con- contracted COVID within the Virginia program, you want to make sure there was, you know, you're just praying it was just asymptomatic, nothing serious, no symptoms. Um, and, 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 and so our, our, at the time, our thoughts and, and, and prayers were wrong with Virginia's program and, and whomever contacted it, um, contracted it. But, um, uh, but then from there, you also know there is going to be a game. You're going to have to now uh, uh, shift your energies and get ready to play in the championship. Yes, it was unconventional to get to that spot, uh, but but as I told our team, listen, there's going to be a winner. Uh, there is going to be a, a champion for the ACC tournament championship in 2021. It's going to be etched in stone, etched in history. So why not it be us? I told the guys, you know, I was on part of the team that won the 1997 national championship. Well, guess what? Nobody asked me how many minutes I played because I played none in that game. I was just part of the team. But people don't know that. They just know that I was on the team that won the national title. And I said, it's the same thing here. No one's going to know how we got there. They're just going to, people are just going to know five, 10, 15 years from now, or they look up at the banner in Georgia Tech, did who won the 2021 ACC tournament championship. And, uh, and so we were very fortunate, I think, you know, to win it. But I think that attitude, that mentality, understanding that was really big. It was tremendous for our program. I can't express the, the, um, the, the exposure, the recognition, the publicity, you know, being on prime time at 830 and the ACC title game with nothing else going on. I mean, think about every restaurant, bar, anything out there with a TV on is tuned to that. Everyone at home watching the amount of, you know, just the, the, the level of eyeballs on our program of seeing Georgia tech, uh, you, you can't put a price tag on that. And, uh, and then on top of that, 
you know, playing against a great Florida State team and for us winning the game the way we played and how well we played uh, just was so great for our program. Josh Pastner is our guest. Coach, you guys had your own COVID pause from January 6th through January 16th. Do you think that adversity helped you out a little bit facing the uncertainty that was the ACC championship and even now into the NCAA you really don't know obviously in any March Madness coach what you're going to get but especially this year yeah look I mean it's really you know I'm a big believer in life and and I know it's again easier said than done but you know one day at a time I know that that gets thrown out a lot uh, that that saying and I think it's a but it's you can try to live by it it's easier said than done but really it's one day at a time and and in this covid you know, 19 world, um, uh, you know, it really is one day at a time, especially when you're dealing with sports teams. Um, and especially with the, with the small numbers in basketball because of contact tracing. So it's really one day at a time. What I would tell you is the student athletes, both the men and women, both men's basketball, women's basketball, both the men and women, the student athletes of all the college basketball teams around the country, division one, division two, II, division three, NAIA, junior college, I mean, all of them, and the the, um, the the coaches, the administrators, the NC2A, the medical personnel, to be able to have a season under this, and, and I use the word, it's overwhelming, the, mm-hmm. the, the protocols that you have to be thinking about. Who's sitting where on the bus? Who sits where on the plane? How is the food being served? Who's sitting where on the bench? How, are you six feet away when you come to a time? I mean, all those different things that you've got to be constantly thinking about and formulating in your mind. And it, and it is overwhelming because there's so many things you've got to try and, and, and you're trying to avoid something that you can't see. And um, so all those, those type of measures, it has been an, a season that I think is the toughest season ever in the history of, of sports. I don't think there'll be any mm-hmm. season. I pray there'll be no season like this, but this is the toughest season. And so I just think when we had to deal with our protocols or our shutdown, and we've had obviously other teams have had to deal with it, it's just the way things are. And But to get to this point, there's going to be a champion crowned on April the 5th. It might be some ups and downs along the way, and, and we hope we're that team standing on April 5th. Uh, but but it's amazing that we've gotten to this point. Now, when I say we, the entire college basketball right. landscape. Coach, a couple things before I let you go. What stands out most about Loyola Chicago? I think they're extremely well coached. If you look at their numbers, I'm Porter Mosier, I'm a huge fan. I think he's just outstanding. He's awesome. One of the best coaches in the country. I'm really concerned playing him just on the fact alone that that no one's going to want us to win because everyone's going to be rooting for Sister Jean. And heck, <laughs> I, and heck, I'm a Sister Jean fan. I would be rooting for her. I'm, I have to, if I could see her and meet her, I would love to take a picture with her. I would have to whisper in her ear, look, I'm not, I, I, I'm not rooting for you this game, Sister Jean. This one game only. But um, So I know most people are going to be rooting for Sister Jean. But um, look, Porter Mosier is one of the best. I mean, he's outstanding. Uh, their offense—they just—they're—they're they're an execution-oriented team. They run great offense. They're very good defensively. If you're an analytic uh, into analytics, I mean, you look at their numbers. They're top ten in Ken Palm, top ten in the net rankings. Their numbers are so good. Um, so, look, I really hope we have a shot. You know, because people have asked me about the seeding, and um, and and you know, I really, you know, do we feel we got a little disrespect? By not by being the nine seed, and and um, and I would tell you that no, I don't think so whatsoever. When you get to the tournament, everyone is good. Who's not good mm. at this at this point? Um, and I hope we can win on Friday because 
it's going to be hard to do that. It's going to be a hard game for us to win. We're going to have to play darn near perfect to win. But if we're fortunate enough to win Friday, I'm like, hey, I would love an opportunity to play Illinois. I would love because I've been touting how good the ACC is all year long. I would like to see, okay, let's see how we are against the big, the best of the Big Ten. You know, I've been saying the ACC is the best, better than any other league in the country. So I would like for us to compete against the Big Ten and see where we're at. And uh, I would love that opportunity to do that on, on Sunday versus Illinois. Now, obviously, like I said, that's going to be a huge challenge to even get to Sunday because of the opponent that we played Friday in Loyola Chicago. Coach, last thing I got for you, it's your, first, it's your fifth NCAA tournament as a head coach, and you've had a chance to be around some stellar coaches, Arizona, Lute Olson, Memphis, John Calipari. Those two specifically, what have you taken most from them in the past about what it takes to not only coach in March, but to win in March? Well, look, you're going to have, you got to have good players. Obviously to get to this point, you have a, you have good players on your team. You have good talent. Um, but you know, look, you're, 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 you're going to need to do all the things that got you there. You got to play great defense, great offense. I mean, I could go on and on the laundry list of things that you need to do, but you know what I tell people all the time in this time of the year, it's such a fine line. Basketball is a make in this game. I don't think coaches are ever as good as people say they are. I don't think they're as bad as they say they are. I think you just kind of fall somewhere in the middle. It's a, it's a player's game. It's a player's game. There's so much momentum and energy and rhythm and flow and instinct and creativity. You know, it's, it's, it's not like football where after every single play, offense, defense can reset and go to a huddle. Basketball is not like that. It's, it's just, it's creativity. And so it's a free flowing deal. And so it's a player's game. And so it's a make and miss game. And along the way to be successful, you have, there's two things. You've got to get a little lucky and you got to have a ball bounce your way as you, you've seen it. Cause you, you're, you've covered it you know the deal how many times a ball bounce here a ball bounce there or a shot doesn't look like it's going to go you just got to get a break or two and if you look at any team other than florida when they won their back-to-back championship if you remember they just smashed everyone all the way through other than that every look at the last champion virginia in 2019 you know how lucky they got to beat purdue right and then to beat auburn and then to beat i mean all three they could have lost any of those three you sometimes it gets you got to get a little lucky on your side and and if you look at any along the way besides the, the repeat champion of florida it's been a there's been a ball bounce here a little luck here sometimes that's what it takes to to get where you're at it's very similar to Loyola Chicago beating Miami if you remember yeah. and and in their games before they played Kansas State to win the you know I think they had won like or even going to the champ they won like three games by four points total it was incredible and so it's that fine of a line it's that margin of error is literally zero in these type of games coach josh pastner the head man at georgia tech the yellow jackets win the acc championship coach enjoy playing at hinkle Fieldhouse as well i'm a butler alum and i love that place to death and i know you will too being in there and uh i wish you the best this march my man okay thank you so much thank you coach Hey, did I tell you we were going to have a hell of a first episode of March Madness or what? Wasn't that great? Man, three terrific interviews, and we just have more on the way. This has been great. Like I said, I want to grind this tournament away. I want to get as many interviews and talk 
to as many people as possible, not just for you guys, but to make uh, the people listening on the fan happy, to you know keep people informed. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And look, you want to go to somebody's desk after all this is over, when we're just being normal people again, and we can say, hey, this is what I did in the last year. The NCAA tournament came to my city, came to our city, and this is how we killed it, right? So again, tomorrow is the underdog special talking to the head coach of the Abilene Christian Wildcats and Joe Golding, as well as the Hartford Hawks, a 16 seed, John Gallagher. Abilene Christian, the Wildcats are a 14 seed. They get the three seed Texas Longhorns. Of course, Abilene Christian also out of the Lone Star State. And keep this in mind, the Wildcats took Texas Tech to the limit earlier this year. Joe Golding is personal friends with Chris Beard. They play each other once a year. And this was the first time Abilene Christian truly gave them a game. Back and forth, down to the last few possessions. And Coach Golding mentioned he knows his team can hang with anybody. And not only would it be a tournament-shifting win if they can go get the W against the Longhorns, but as well, a program-shifting win for Abilene Christian, who's only going to their second NCAA tournament as a Division I school. They were Division II for a long time. Joe Golding, a former player there, he was a Division II player, and now he's building a program. And Hartford, 16 seed, they get the number one seed, Baylor Bears. If you want to dive into a coach's mind about how you get ready for a number one seed and the pressure of the NCAA tournament when you're playing in Lucas Oil Stadium as well, that's an interview you want to uh, stay tuned for. As John Gallagher, who was terrific, uh, Hartford, Kind of in the ESPN-centric area, he is personal friends with a couple ESPN guys, Steve Levy being one of them. They get a lot of coverage in Bristol, and uh, it was no surprise that John Gallagher was a great interview. So that's to come tomorrow for the Underdog Special. But again, we'll be with you all week, one episode a day for the next four or so days leading you up into the tournament. I can't wait. And again, I'm doing everything that I can to make this tournament memorable. I hope you guys enjoy the coverage. I hope you guys learn something out of it. I hope you pass this along and share with friends and family that, you know, um, I'm just trying to grind it out here in Indianapolis and give you guys the best tournament coverage that you're going to get here locally. And uh, that is absolutely my goal. So as we close out, episode 12 of the BK Show, episode 13 comes your way tomorrow as well. Back to back to back to back we close you out with what you're gonna hear starting on friday jim bill grant here we go it's the bk show talk to you tomorrow